Thank you for listening to the Keystone Church Podcast. For more information about us, you can visit us at mykeystonechurch.com. One of the things that that came to my mind as you were as you were sharing was uh, uh, kind of a vision I had a while back, but I think it fits with a lot of what you were saying. And it was this vision of I was at this table, like a like a, in a, in a big cabin, and I had a plate in front of me, and it was empty. And I looked over at the plate next to me, and the plate next to me was full beyond the realistic dimensions of the place that we were in like it was over the plate on every side and and like just it was just a feast all on one plate and in the vision i was kind of having it kind of started as i was having this conversation with god of like god i just wish i had more i wish i had more to offer more to give more to 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 do and so i started getting this picture and and then as i was looking at this plates God switched them. And he put the one with all of the abundance, all of the stuff on it in front of me. And it was just this picture of we have been given so much, like so much of our life and our walk and our movement toward healing is about how much we're aware of what we've actually been given, of how much we've been given. And it's not just this, it's not just this like, be grateful. You've been given so much that it, it's actually, it's an actual supernatural awareness of, you know, it's like having all of that in front of you, but if you don't know it's there, you can't partake in it. You know, there's something in us that has to be able to acknowledge and see beyond what's happening in the natural and what's happening around us and what we feel personally capable of to see beyond that into our identity in him and what he's provided for us and how much it is. So I don't know if that helps anything. It just that kind of came to me as as you were sharing. But what I want to talk about today, we talked a little bit last week about um, about that, about that idea of kind of coming to an awareness, coming to a greater understanding of who we are in Christ. Today, the question that I want to ask is, what is love saying? What is love saying? And how do we actually, it's actually, I want to dig into a little bit of how do we flow in the supernatural? How do we flow in the spiritual gifts and in the prophetic and all these different things? And in Matthew, Jesus gives a commission to his disciples. And I think a lot of times we can read this and think, well, he was giving them that commission. But then in the Great Commission, he says, go and tell everybody to do what I've taught you to do. So that means that what he told them to do and taught them to do and empowered them to do is the same thing that he was telling them, go empower other people to do, the next generation, and keep it going. Like It's like a game of telephone, like keep passing it around. So Jesus said, it says, when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. That's Matthew 10.1. In Matthew 10.8, Jesus is speaking to them and he says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And I think it's interesting that, that one, he's not saying ask God to cast out demons, ask God to heal people, ask God to raise the dead. He's saying heal the, de- heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. And then he follows it up by saying freely you've received, now freely give. So what he's saying is I've given you 
like it's like that plate picture we've been given so much and now he's saying if that's true if that's reality that's not just for you that's to give away so when we look at moving in the spiritual gifts and and all of these things i think it's always been god in the heart of god that we would be a part of his plan to bring healing to the earth it's always been in the heart of god that it would be a partnership now, yes, Jesus came and his sacrifice once and for all was, was the ultimate thing that we needed um, to restore our heart and our relationship with God. But there's a continuation of that process where we are to go out into the world and, and, and manifest that reality and share with others and help them kind of encounter that. And so that, that reality of Jesus saying, go heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, is still for us, for us to do today. So when we talk about moving in the supernatural, like if you're, if for some reason this picture came into my mind of using like a radiation measure, like a a Geiger counter, is that what it is? You know, yeah, he would know. (laughs) And you go to like, you know, a random area and you might get just a little buzz, like, oh, there's a little radiation here. But you go to like Chernobyl or somewhere where there's been a a nuclear incident and it's gonna like go crazy. When we look at manifestations of the spirit, I think the place where we get the massive reading is in in something like revival. So I want to talk about revival because I like revival, and so I get to talk about revival. <laughs> um, Arthur Wallace gives this kind of definition of revival, and here's what he says. He says, revival is divine intervention in the normal course of spiritual things. It is God revealing himself to man in awful holiness and irresistible power, It is such a manifest working of God that human personalities are overshadowed and human programs abandoned. It is man retiring into the background because God has taken the field. It is the Lord making bare his holy arm and working an extraordinary power on saint and sinner. When we talk about revivals in the past, I'm reading this incredible book called God's Generals, and it goes through all these different men and women who walked in this massive power of God. And I think that historically, revival seems to have been focused usually on um, one man or one woman who had this massive yes in their heart to God. And I almost feel like it's it's like, you know, when I have my hose turned on, I've got a, a sprayer on the end of it. And I've got a little knob on that sprayer where I can turn off the water. You know, so as soon as I, on the sprayer, as soon as I move the knob up, the water sprays out. So the water's there. It wants to get out. It's waiting for that knob to be all the way open, to be fully released. And in some ways, I feel like that's what the Spirit of God does. I feel like he's he's there. The power is there. His presence is there. His willingness is there. And he waits for a man or a woman to say, I'm going to open that nozzle full stream. I don't care what I look like. I don't care what people say about me. I know what I want to go after. And they have this massive yes, and they open up that knob. I think that historically, like I said, it's been focused around one man or one woman, and they do these incredible things. You hear stories about, like, somebody doesn't have a foot, and they'll put a shoe on the stump, and a foot grows into it. Or somebody's missing an eye, and they'll pray, and an eye is creatively restored, and there's these incredible stories. John G. Lake, his wife was sick, and he had seen healings before, but he didn't know if she was going to get better, and she's on her deathbed. And he calls his friend, who's another guy who was having massive revival, and he says, I don't know what to do. And the guy says, I'm praying for her. She's going to get healed. And John G. Lake goes through scripture, and he finds this verse that just impacts him, and it, it just hits him in a powerful way. 
and he gets filled with faith and he goes and he says, and he calls his friend and he says, my wife's going to get healed tomorrow morning at 9.30 a.m. And tomorrow morning, the next morning at 9.30 a.m., he goes in, he prays for her and she pops up out of the bed, takes a big gasp of air. She kind of freaks him out because even though he knew it was coming, he did, it just surprised him. And she gets up and she's completely better. And it, it, so much of it is just due to this massive surge of faith. I think that that God often gives it to those who really want it. I don't, I, I don't often see people chasing after revival and it being denied. Like you almost always see, there might be a length of time, there might be a waiting period, there might be a period of prayer and seeking and desperation and hunger. But man, I've seen that, that when people want revival and chase after revival, God loves to answer that prayer. But I think that we, we have this tendency to look at people who are walking that kind of power and anointing and authority and to think that it's for them and not for us. You know, we kind of want to look for a superman and be like, wow, look at how great he is. And God's saying, I've called you all to be supermen. And it's not to say that the gifting and the anointing on somebody is not uh, to be honored or is not powerful, but it's to say that what would happen if we all said that same kind of yes? Those revivals, almost all of them, well, no, all of them fizzled out. They all fizzled out because it was based around one man or one woman. And almost invariably, what would happen is there would be splits and division, people arguing about theology. There would be some kind of a moral failure. That person got so burnt out that they ended up doing things they shouldn't have done. Or their family got so neglected that they just wiped out and just became destroyed and devastated. And so when we look at like real life and healings and miracles of people coming to Christ, like we want that. But it should not have to come at the cost of division and of devastation to people's families and things like that. Uh, I love that we're talking about rest because the word for this decade by Bob Jones that he gave, he said the 2020s, you know, of course, so far it's an interesting season, but he said the 2020s is, is going to be the, the decade of the rest of God. And it's so interesting that if you look at it, like on the human level, you're like, really? But on the spiritual level, you're like, we've kind of been forced to sit down and take a break on the one hand. But on the other hand, like I talked about this last week, the idea that, that the rest of God could also be interpreted as the remainder, like more of him, more revelation, more, more of who he is coming into reality. And so when we talk about that, I think Jesus was always praying that the church would be one. And what would happen if we have what I would call a sustainable revival? Sustainable revival where it's not centered on one person. It's not centered on one man or one woman. It's not one person getting the word of knowledge and one person uh, in the same person being the one to pray for the healing and the same person being the one to give the prophetic word and the same person being the one to pray for people and they get filled with the Holy Spirit. But what if we actually operated as a body? What would happen if one person gets the word of knowledge that somebody has back pain and needs to get healed from that. And someone else actually has the gift of healing and they pray for them and the restoration comes. And someone else has the prophetic word for the body. What happened if we, if we all start operating and acting as a body and instead of all the weight and pressure resting on one person, we all turn the knob up and share in each other as the body. 
And I think in some ways that God gave us a taste of what revival could look like. He's given us taste of how amazing it is and how powerful and how impactful it's changed cities and nations. It's caused mission movements around the world. But what would happen if it was sustainable in such a way that it's not resting on one man, it's not for a season of a year or a couple of years or a couple of months, but it's something where the body begins to operate in the fullness of what they were called to. And we were able to do that together. Revival in every part. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul goes through his spiritual gifts and he says to them, Concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. So he specifically said, I don't want you to be ignorant. It's important that you know about spiritual gifts, that you're operating in them. And he goes through the whole chapter, and and he talks about them operating as a body. Almost all of 1 Corinthians 12 is him either telling what the gifts are or describing how a body operates. A body needs an eye, it needs hands, it needs feet. The hands can't get to where they need to go without the feet. The, the the eyes can't do anything unless they have a brain to connect to and share the information with. So he says, Now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased, and if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. I got this, this um, when I really got rocked by God, I was 16, And he gave me two words, and I didn't fully understand what they meant. I think in some ways, maybe even until this morning. And the two words were unity and freedom. And at the time, the picture that I had in my head was was unity in the church, as in unity between churches, unity between churches in a city, Um, people like-minded working together for the same goal and cause, which I think is a piece of it. But as I was putting this message together, what God really began to show to me, it's, it's unity in the body. It's unity of the body. It's it's not necessarily churches in a city coming together, although that's wonderful, and I love to see when that happens. But it's unity to say, like, we're not we're not looking for one or two fantastic men and women to just go and then give to us what they receive. We're actually looking for a body that comes together and says, we're all going to go in this together. We're all going to be a part of this. Uh, there's a great book called The Final Quest. Has anybody read that one? Um, if you haven't, I highly recommend it. I think it's phenomenal. It's this amazing vision given by a guy named Rick Joyner. But one of the visions, part of the vision is he's going up this the mountain of the Lord. And as he's going up the mountain of the Lord, that's kind of representative of, of our intimacy with God, of our, our how close we are operating in him. And as he's going up the mountain, there's all these other people that are also going up the mountain. But then there's people that are going up and they're pausing and they're pausing and they're reaching their hand down to help people below get up to the next level. What would happen if as a body we did that together? And it's not I'm going to pause forever and stay here forever, but we've got our community. We've got our group. We've got our family like Let's help everybody get up, and then let's all go up to the next level, and let's all go up to the next level, and when somebody needs help to get up again, let's go ahead and do that, and let's let's ascend the hill of the Lord together like that. Um, so the, the last piece that I want to come into in this, and then I'd love a little discussion, is when you're talking about operating in the spiritual gifts, when we're talking about engaging in the gifts that God's given you. I think the, the, the biggest question 
that you can ask in order to effectively begin to engage in that is what is love saying? And that's a question that I find myself asking in the last year or so, I found myself asking almost on a daily basis, what is love saying? When I come into the room, when I'm worshiping, I'm, I'm engaging with God, but I'm also asking him, what are you doing in the room? Who, who are you talking to? Who do you want to talk to? What is love saying? And when I ask what is love saying, what I do is I actually, I actually focus on my heart for the people in the room. And I began to let love flow through me to the people in the room. I began to kind of fall in love with the people in the room and began to think about like how amazing they are and how God created them and how much he loves them. And as I let myself do that, I almost always will find somebody that God highlights to me. And there's al almost always something that God will kind of bring out to share with them. Now, that's a piece of my gifting. That's a piece of my gifting, but we all have different gifts, right? So what if somebody is the gift of healing or somebody has the gift of tongues or you have the gift of discernment? The question might not be, what does God want to say to this person? The question for you might be, what is happening in my spirit? The question for you might be, who needs to be encouraged? The question for you might be, is there, is there a healing that God wants to do? And God might highlight someone to me and he might highlight someone completely different to you. Does that make sense? Because when we look at what is God doing in the room, we all see in parts. He's going to show me my part, but there's another part that each one of us have that we have to enter into. You know, somebody who has the gift of discernment, who somebody who needs spiritual freedom, you don't necessarily want to go, where's the darkness? But you do want to go, where does God want to bring light, right? Where does God want to bring light? And maybe that's your piece of that puzzle. But the way to do this, guys, the two important things to know is, one, you're an essential part of the body. And I think if there's a lie that has hit almost all of us in this room, maybe all of us, it's that you're a mistake. You don't matter. You're not really that important. You don't really have that much to offer. You're just there to get what you can. If you have something helpful, maybe that's good. But most of the time, you're not. That's the lie of the enemy. That's the voice that just says, you know, you're not an essential part of the body. And biblically, we know there is no non-essential part of the body. So the first thing I want to encourage all of us in is you are absolutely integral and essential to what God wants to do in his kingdom on the earth. We need it. The second is it's going to take a risk. It is risky to ask the question, what is love doing? And I have this bracelet. This is from uh, Sean Boltz. If you've heard of him, he's a prophetic guy. And, and this is, uh, it was so cool that he has this because that's how he practices prophecy. And that's how he, he operates in this is he asks, what is love saying? Because when it comes down to it, it's, it's just trying to tap into the love of Jesus for another person and then use the gifts that you have. If you're not a prophetic person, don't, you don't have to flex that. See, here's the thing. There's gifts that some people in this room don't know that they have, and there's gifts that you do know that you have. If you strengthen and operate and honor the gifts that you know that you have, God will develop the ones you don't know you have. If you know you're a prophetic person, then operate in that. Walk in that. Take the risk. Love takes risks. Love isn't afraid of what it's going to look like. Love isn't afraid of being misunderstood. Love isn't afraid of failing and making a mistake and getting it wrong. 
Love is going to risk. And if you if you walk in gifts of healing, pray for healing. I I love I I want the gift of healing. I am constantly looking for people to pray for. I've seen maybe two people healed as I prayed for them, and I've prayed for hundreds of others that didn't. But I'm going to keep going after it. But at the same time, if that's not my gift, if that's not something God chooses to to develop in me, then I hope he's going to partner me with other people that have it because I believe that's something that is in his heart. That's what he wants. But by honoring the gifts that I know that I have, I know that I walk in the prophetic. I know that I walk in in different levels of, of different things. If there are any any other under underdeveloped gifts in me, God's going to develop those. And I've seen new things rising to the surface as I steward well what I know he's given me. Does that make sense? So I want to encourage us to all ask the question, what is love saying? Some of you haven't operated in this stuff before, and it's a little scary. Some of you have operated in it, and you've taken risks, and you've been burned, and you've been hurt, and you've been wounded, and you feel like, I don't know if I want to try that again. I believe that that part of rest is restoration. And I just want to encourage all of us that who you are in its fullness is needed. I want to ask you, all of us, to risk. In a lot of ways, it's almost to risk intimacy, to risk you know, it's like if you're an itinerant prophet and you can come in, you drop some prophetic words and then you're gone, like that's easy. You know what I mean? There's no risk in, in, you don't know those people. You don't have to stay in that room. But when we're in community with each other and we want to operate in our gifts, it is a lot, it can feel a lot higher risk. In some ways it's risking intimacy. It's risking saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, being mistook, you know? And what I want to ask you to do is I want to ask you to take those risks. I, I would love for this home, for this group, to be a place where we kind of have almost a spiritual mad scientist kind of mentality where we are really we are willing to just try things and move in the spirit. And you know what? If it goes wrong, nobody's going to smash you under their thumb. Like nobody's going to get mad at you. We're going to walk through it together. We all are all going to make messes no matter what. I would rather make messes that risk us growing further into the kingdom and clean them up than just make normal messes because I'm a human being, but I'm actually being too cautious to risk for the kingdom. So all that said, the last piece of building faith to do these things, guys, is testimony. I think you really want to build faith to be able to walk out and step into those th- these things. You would really want to build hunger. You've got to get engaged in testimony. You've got to read spiritual biographies. We need to hear your stories. And so I kind of want to open it up and just ask you guys, I would love for you to share stories of where you've seen God moving in the spirit, in the supernatural, either, either that you personally experienced or that you read about that impacted you. 